All is here, and so is Script to Screen. We return with Kenyatta Mark and I covering the latest from horror showrunner Mike Flanagan, The Fall of the House of Usher, a Netflix miniseries on the karmic demise on the Usher family, an ultra-wealthy, influential, and elite group whose main addictive pharmaceutical drug caused countless deaths and suffering across many decades. Please note these recordings were done through Zoom, so be aware of some audio issues at times. Be sure to queue us up next time as we review another Netflix release, David Fincher's The Killer, next time. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for a Screenwriters Virtual Forum. Peer reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. Please check out the links on our Anchor.fm profile to follow us online, donate, or leave us a nice message to let us know how we're doing. We hope to see you at one of these virtual forums. Until then, enjoy the podcast. So, hey, warm, enthusiastic welcome to all screenwriters, aspiring writers, film lovers, and everyone in between. To the latest episode of Script to Screen, the Boston Screenwriters Group podcast hosted by myself, J.C. Stewart, Kenyatta Hoskins, and Mark Liddell, where we come in and give screenwriter, filmmaker, and film lovers perspectives on movies, shows, and various other forms of media. Whenever you're giving us a listen, morning, noon, or night, we hope to be a great part of your listening cues and engage with you in these in-depth discussions on film, TV streaming, and whatever the hell else we'd like to share our thoughts on. I'll start with the intros. I have been a co-organizer of the Boston Screenwriters Group for over seven years, helping out the founder, Deborah Sharif, with the meetups, where we come in and give help to any level of experienced screenwriter, peer review the screenplays with other members. I'm also a local filmmaker on the lower end of budgets, but I'm always game for coming up with movie ideas and ready to film. Now, with all that said, I'll pass it off to my good friend and co-organizer, Kenyatta. Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, this Sunday. Uh, glad to be here. So I've been with the Boston Green Arts Group for, uh, I, I lost count now. It's not been quite 10 years, but a little bit under 10 years, been co-organizing for about five years around there somewhere. And, um, you know, like like you said, uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Um, we have uh, Facebook, we have Instagram and uh, YouTube. So if you could, you know, interested in screenwriting, come check us out. Uh, come check us out when we do our feedback forums. It's every other Saturday and every other Tuesday. So every other Saturday from, it used to be 11 to 1, now it's like 10 to 12. Uh, Tuesdays is 7 to 9. So if you have any interest in reading scripts and giving feedback or if you're interested in uh, learning screenwriting come join us on um, meetup.com uh, boston screenwriters group so i'm um, glad to be here and i'm gonna pass this on to mark hey everybody it's mark lydell longtime boston educator lover of film um and a thespian in a seemingly a former life with many, many years ago. Um, I enjoyed chopping it up with these two, talking about films on a regular basis and especially the, the genre we're going to hit uh, today, which is the horror genre and talking about uh, Mike Flanagan's uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. So let's get to it. Right. We know we're a little bit late on this uh, in terms of being in season. Um... But, uh, you know, it was uh, another Mike Flanagan uh, sort of miniseries, and we wanted to sort of, uh, you know, get our review out for that, even though, you know, we're, we're past Halloween and, uh, you know, uh, a month past its uh, release date. But um, uh, we definitely always wanted to talk about uh, sort of whatever Mike Flanagan is, uh, you know, brewing up. And uh, uh, that was certainly the case with this one, sort of like his new modern update of a lot of uh, fiction from Edgar Allan Poe that has been... Um, uh, modernized and sort of uh, adapted uh, to our times um and uh with a huge cast um uh you know that spans uh, generations in this uh you know pharmaceutical family um <clears throat> that has uh, you know it's um it has its uh, tentacles and a lot of other sort of uh, reaches in our, in society um yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, it's it, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, they both, uh, you know, the, the strikes are done, you know, negotiations uh, uh, with, with both the writers and actors, uh, you know, seemingly went well for uh, uh, those parties. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy to be back and, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, talking about shows again and uh, and movies uh, when uh, whenever we get around to those, but uh, yeah, so Fall of House of Usher, uh, six episodes, uh, uh, pre-packed uh, each of them, and um, huge cast as I mentioned previously. Uh, but does anybody sort of uh, want to start us off with uh, sort of uh, general thoughts before we go into more in-depth uh, sort of discussion? Well, I'll just say that you know, again, I'm always looking forward to another Mike Flanagan. Uh, 
piece. And this one um, uh, did not you know, fail to excite me either. Uh, he's, he's really wonderful. He's been pretty consistent around making quality for, uh, especially um, with his kind of retelling of classics uh, and modernizing classics. In this case, I was you know, kind of led to think about um, the parallels in, in modern society with like the Sackler family and their, their ties to the opioid uh, epidemic. Um, that was, you know, in many ways manufactured and in many ways, um, you know, at the, the at their behest, at their request, kind of making this um, reality for a lot of people who have suffered hardships and then kind of turning a blind eye to it. Um, this family, Usher, similar in that regard in terms of um, not being human or humane or being people, right? What, what mattered was their own selfish wants and needs. Um, and it's... Uh, in many ways, again, tied to the Sacklers, but also tied to, I guess, all of us in a sense where we're kind of locked into uh, what matters to us via social media, what matters to us in terms of what's liked or not liked, um, and not retaining or maintaining a certain sense of humanity. It's something been lost in us. I think this this um, series kind of hits at that uh, in many ways that, you know, the characters um, are kind of impersonal in many ways, but it also reflects that we are also in many ways impersonal because we're kind of locked in our own uh, worlds, our own bubbles, and we're more concerned about who we are um, and who likes us as opposed to uh, our character. Yeah, I also liked it. And, um, you know, I just, I, I think Mike Flanagan is just awesome. Uh, I like the, the, the you know, whole Flanagan universe. Uh, you know, and just looking forward to every October uh, or so where he comes out with something new. Um, so, yeah, I do like this entry. And, you know, now I'm to the point where the ranking of like what is, you know, uh, what's the best and what's, you know, what's one, two, three, four or five type of deal now. Um, but I like, like I said, I like the funny reverse. And this is not any exception. Uh, this is a good entry into that universe, and um, you know, and I, and I kind of like how he how he does things. Um, you know, he uses the same uh, actors, and the, no matter what uh, show he puts out, uh, for the most part, uh, he uses the same actors, and um, no matter you know what he puts out. And these actors, they just they do just do a tremendous job. Cause I just rewatched um the house on um that was it the house that excuse me. The house that the no the haunt was it haunting of Hill House. Yeah, there you go. I just got it out. But um I kind of like the, the way he tells stories and so on and so forth. And this is not an exception. I and I think it's kind of a cool idea how he uh, each episode. I mean, it's a good link too. I mean, six ep episodes, um, maybe even eight is a good number as well. But because I remember Netflix were doing 12 episodes or 13, and there were too many filler episodes. And so he separated the fat from the meat pretty well. And um, and uh, each, each episode was compelling. And um, even some of the uh, new actors, new to the Flying Converse, they also did a great job. I can't remember all their names, but um, yeah. So I just want to start off by saying I thought it was it was very entertaining, and I I always plan to watch a you know something from the Flying Converse every uh, every October, and um, like I said, I, I you know I used to do uh, Midnight Mass ever since it came out. But this year, I, I just, you know, I watched this in the house on Haunted Hill. So um, so this is going to be something I will repeat in October. Yep. Uh, Flanagan is good to have her on rotation, uh, certainly during the uh, horror season, but I think good any time of the year also. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he, yeah, his filmmaking tends to lead into a horror genre and, um, you know, scares and thrills and all that. But I think he's um, he's so good uh, with uh, uh, storytelling just in general that uh, I think you can put it on uh, any time, uh, any time of the year and uh, enjoy it. But yes, uh, his latest uh, Fall of House of Usher, as we mentioned uh 
yeah, it's a sort of a, a reimagining uh, adaptation or uh, modernization, however you want to put it, of uh, works of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, there are several titles of the uh, episodes that, you know, uh, um, are uh, are taken from uh, Poe's works. And uh, as uh, Mark mentioned, and I was going to mention it, but uh, he stole my thunder that, yeah, this is very much uh, if you follow the news of in pharmaceutical companies or, or just anywhere, really. Uh, yeah, this is definitely sort of a thinly veiled, if not maybe not so slight exaggeration of the Sackler family of uh, Purdue uh, pharmaceuticals uh, who, um, you know, throughout the last uh, 30 or 40 years have uh, have, have uh, you know, flooded, uh, uh, flooded, uh, sort of, um, pharmacies with their opioids and have gotten, you know, uh, have told, done untold damage to, uh, communities around America and around the world. Um, there, so, and here it's sort of like, um, uh, this is the sort of like a reckoning, uh, of, of all that, you know, unfortunately that we didn't get in real life, uh, but this is sort of like a, um, a, Faustian bargain that uh, you know uh, that finally you know the the bill comes due, um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, as I said, yeah, this is, I'll say that this is gr I thought this was great stuff. Uh, yeah, this is uh, you know again, this is uh, you know uh, uh, this is you know this is in the horror genre. Of course, you know you're adapting Agar Allan Poe. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's a little bit, uh, you, you know, there's just a lot of uh, good storytelling, a lot of great character work. And again, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Flanagan returns a lot of his regulars from, uh, Haunting of Hill House, uh, Haunting of Blind Manor, Midnight Mass. Uh, but there's also some, uh, newcomers, uh, 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 most notably, uh, Mark Hamill, uh, in a role that, uh, you're not kind of expecting him to play, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker being this, uh, you know, um, a lawyer heel for this, uh, you know, uh, uh, a notorious family, uh, being the fixer, if you will, of this, uh, of this completely just corrupted and, uh, uh, just, uh, a depraved, uh, family. But, um, uh, yeah, the notables are like, again, we get, uh, you know, Carla Gugino as, uh, as a sort of this mysterious figure that wanders into this family and gives them, um, you know, gives them a, a bargain, uh, that, uh, uh, that eventually, you know, they have to, um, eventually they have to, that eventually comes due. Uh, but you also have, uh, one of my favorite character actors, Bruce Greenwood. Um, Bruce Greenwood is, uh, you know, him as, uh, you know, Captain Pike from the latest Star Trek. Uh, but he's been in, he's been working uh, steadily for the last, uh, you know, uh, 30 or, uh, 30 or so years. Uh, and, uh, he's always great. Um, he's, he just has that awesome delivery, uh, an awesome voice that uh, you know. I just listen to audiobooks where he uh, uh, where he narrates it because he just has that great, awesome delivery, and he uh, brings it here as he's sort of relating the ills that all this family has wrought over the you know uh, generations. Um, but as sort of a attempt at confession, um, and yeah, there's so many. Yeah, again, there this is a huge, huge cast. Uh, you know, across uh, you know six episodes, and uh, I agree, uh, six episode length is perfect for this. Old killer and no filler. Um, you really, it, you, it's uh, it start, it hits the ground running, and it doesn't really stop until you know the last frame. Uh, I think they really did a nice job of not putting in any sort of filler uh, episodes. Uh, this just this just uh, keeps it. This they just kept the uh, momentum going from time. But I'll uh, I'll let other people chime in uh, as I uh, I fear I'm rambling a little bit. At, uh, my no, I mean birthday. no, it's fine. It's good. I, I just for me before I even get into like any of the. The, the meat of the story or whatever. I mean, what's refreshing for me is that I can always count on Flanagan to, to have a, 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 a series that is um, well put together. He takes seriously. He, he obviously cares about uh, the genre of horror because of the detail he puts into it. I mean, just think about the various platforms that are out there, be it Netflix, you know, Prime, whatever, uh, Hulu, they're littered with garbage horror movies. Right. Horror movies are cheap to make. Um, they're often filled with people who you've never seen before in terms of these actors. They're a dime a dozen. And the script is written, if not by a bot, is written by somebody who's got the emotion of a bot. Right. In this case, that's not what you're getting from a Flanagan uh, series. So, again, I can't stress enough how many times I've, I've 
tap into Netflix or whatever platform in search of good horror, just can't find it. But I can always count on Flanagan to come through with um, well-written um, horror pieces with uh, real characters and not just types. Now, the, now he has kind of delved into types at, at, at times, but all the characters aren't types. Um, a lot of horror movies on, on these platforms are only types and not characters and no development whatsoever. I'm happy he takes the time to have scenes with lengthy dialogue. We kind of mentioned that before with um, Midnight Mass, how you know, dialogues that go on in, the, in that piece, as well as this one, help you understand who the characters are. And that's unfortunately you know, lost on many folk who try to make horror movies in this modern time. You know something though, um, I'm, I'm sorry, are you, are you done or? Hello? Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, okay, all right. So, you know, you know, this, you know, some of the stuff that you said is that um, in terms of, yeah, it's horror films are, you know, is 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 never going to die out because in terms of production and how much it costs to make them, right? And then the return, because, you know, people are never going to, you know, going to stop watching horror. That's one thing, right? See, and you say a lot of garbage out there. Yeah, yeah you know you know what the thing is? The thing is, is that um, I, and I've, and I've, I've come across somebody who, you know, they like, they like horror and they try, they tend to write about horror. And I try to tell them, that okay, I understand the uh, the kills and all that kind of stuff like that, right? But you have to have some substance behind it. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of uh, horror makes, and other genres make that mistake, like action or whatever, right? You know, fans of the genre, of course, they want to see, you know, maybe you know that interest, like something like Saw, for example, they'll have elaborate. Uh, set pieces where they have all these interesting kills and so on and so forth. But to me, uh, any movie, I don't care what genre it is, you have to have some substance behind it. And I think Mike Flanagan uh, pulls it out very well. And one of the things is that um, I noticed, it's like, oh, this is, you know, like you said, the Sackler family, you know, they've been making a lot of films about the opioid epidemic, but the only difference is here, it's more fictionalized them that were actually basing on true stories. This one is based on true story, but it's more fictionalized, you know? So um, anyways, um, Mark Hamill, I know you mentioned Mark Hamill and there's a couple movies here and there. I, I wasn't so impressed by Mark Hamill, but I was really uh, impressed with Mark Hamill, especially when you think of Mark Hamill, you're thinking about, you know, um, either the Joker, you know, the animated series, the voiceover, and, and um, also, you know, Luke Skywalker. And, and here, he's just this lawyer who he's just, you know, very devious, and he just played it so well. And I was really impressed by his performance in this. And um, like I was saying, Mike Flank and he his themes are very very uh interesting it's very mature themes and what have you like for example uh mortgaging your you know the souls of your 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 bloodline or your, your you know your progeny and others coming up for you know um fame and power well at least power for now it's like it's like not caring you know, you just care about the now. You're not caring about what's, you know, how that will affect um, your offspring coming up and your, the, the, you know, the younger generations that are going to come behind you. I think it's a very mature um, thing to deal with. Um, and in terms of dialogue, I know, like, um, I did, that was one, I think, I, I do, I have no problem with longer dialogue. I mean, you know, I'm a Quentin Tarantino fan and what have you. But I think it did run too long in um, Midnight Mass. And here, I, I really don't remember. You know, I think it's, it, it was perfect. Um, and to me, it's like you have to have a balance between characters, characterization, development, character development, and, um, 
you know, action and or horror in this case. And I think Mike Flanken does that perfectly. He has a perfect balance between, like I said, character development, uh, characterization, and um, that kind of like the horror set pieces. So I think he does that very well. Agreed. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, as we've all sort of, uh, as mentioned before, yeah, this is sort of a, um, uh, you know, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, doing his, uh, you know, uh, update with, uh, you know, the Sackler family. Uh, but um, it goes into more than just uh, sort of like, um, uh, sort of like the, the evils of uh, of this really, uh, you know, uh, devious uh, pharmaceutical uh, company. It goes also into, yeah, just how the rich, uh, you know, have their tentacles and everything in every single sort of aspect of our of our modern society. And from, you know, the news media to social media um, to uh, to, uh, you know, the, to state, uh, from state politics to federal politics, you know, how, you know, entrenched, uh, you know, every, all that is and uh, how this, uh, you know, ecosystem, like, you know, sort of is, uh, just keeps on sort of like chugging along, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of, um, you know, they, they've caught a lot, they've caused a lot of pain along the way, uh, because of that. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I guess uh, you could say that, uh, you know, uh, you know, so-called eat the rich storylines have been popular, especially, you know, the last decade or so, um, uh, probably ever since uh, the uh, ever since the 2008 recession. Uh, but uh, here it's not, you know, very it's not, you know, didactic and it's uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, again, it's sort of like uh just detail, just laying out, you know, just how, you know, uh, you know, why these systems persist and, you know, why, uh, you know, certain, um, certain figures are allowed to keep on getting away with things, even though we supposedly have, uh, you know, rules of law and, you know, uh, you know, ethics and, and all that. Uh, and here again, it, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, you know, done expertly. Um, I, I, you know, I thought, you know, I, again, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's only a slight exaggeration I'll, I'll say of, uh, of, you know, the real Sackler family and, you know, the, uh, you know, the real reasons they were able to, uh, keep on getting away with it for as long as they did. Uh, and for, <clears throat> but, um, uh yeah uh so do we want to sort of uh i don't know if we do we want to do sort of like go episode i don't know if we want to do episode by episode because uh it's uh Ooh, we'd have to yeah worry for me <laughs> yeah, yeah how about yeah. instead it's not uh, fresh enough in my mind. that's what i was thinking yeah that's yeah. probably same here but do we want to sort of like do i don't know um favorite uh you know the scenes that most stuck out to us maybe Sure, sure. Like for me, just immediately we mentioned that reminds me of a scene that occurred in the uh, the animal testing lab, um, oh. <laughs> where you know once again um, the, the Carla Gutino uh, character um, allows a character into the lab, um, and it's funny because of course she is this this kind of constant um, entity that, that's in the movie throughout who's the one who kind of, you know, basically tells the characters, it's time to pay the piper now. Um, she delivers um, the justice, if you will, or revenge, or um, the, the, the cost for making that deal with the devil. And I just really like the way that they, they that, that uh, animal testing, the chimp lab scene was shot and, and, and the kill that occurs there. Um, because I was, if my memory serves me correctly, um, it goes from her being the Carlo Gugino character to a chimp. Or is that what I, I've forgotten the actual detail? But somehow it kind of morphs into um, a, a, a chimp, or is she the one who's killing? I, I've, I've forgotten all the details in terms of that. But what's, what's really stuck out was is, was the kind of creative way they they, they did it, um, and you can kind of sense the, the kind of building of tension uh, throughout that scene that something's going to happen. Um, you're walking into a dangerous situation, if not the danger from the chimps, the danger from Carla Gugino's character, and you know something horrible is going to happen with these um, kind of caged wild animals. And sure enough, it does. So that was, uh, in many ways, you know, for a horror fan, extremely satisfying to see <laughs> the, the kill in that situation. In the other scene, I mean, that, that, that for me was like the, the scene that really, um, stuck out but i mean what was also done with, with um 
the Carl Lumley character who plays uh, the attorney uh, who's been really after the, the, the Usher family and uh, an adversary in many respects. Um, what's kind of lost, I think, I don't think many folks have kind of recognized the importance of that character. He's a certain kind of weight to him that, that means he's, you know, a worthy adversary of, of this uh, kind of prominent uh, uh, patriarch, uh, Usher. Um, and if it weren't for, I guess, his gravitas, it wouldn't work, right? If you have a lesser, you know, uh, actor or a lesser, uh, or a less well-played role, it doesn't really work out. But you kind of believe that this is a person who's, you know, hell-bent on kind of figuring out what the hell's going on with his family. And as he's there listening to the tales uh, told uh, the patriarch of the Usher family, you know, we're there, we're, we're, we are him in a sense, right? We're, we're, we're kind of going through the same thing, uh, learning about these tales, and he, he's a stand-in for, for, for us, and he makes it work. So that doesn't really point out a scene, but throughout, he's the, the constant thread that takes the place of us being there, being the kind of voyeur, listening in, watching into what's happened with his family. I see. Yeah, yeah, I agree on my, you know, all those points. And um, I'd say probably, you know, again, this is sort of, uh, you know, uh, reimagining of a lot of uh, Edgar Allan Poe uh, here. And uh, admittedly, I don't know a ton of, uh, I haven't, uh, uh, beyond sort of like the, you know, the the poet, uh, the poetry that, you know, that, uh, yeah, I haven't read uh, many of the um, uh, sort of novels and books that he, uh, that he's done, but I do know, um uh, one particular, and I think they do a really good adaptation here of uh, the Tall Tale Heart, uh, and that's actually with the um, sort of uh, uh, with the sort of the veterinarian, uh, you know, experimentalist in the uh, in the family um, that eventually uh, you know the, kills her partner because of uh, just the the guilt that has just uh, you know been uh, you know thumping you know uh, literally thumping you know with her in just uh you know all this time i thought that was probably the best edit from what i know like i don't maybe there was uh um maybe there was another episode that that did it uh but from what i know uh the the adaptation of uh, tall tale heart was probably uh the most more, probably the most direct translation but uh i i and i i really like the uh i really like the way they did that one and the way it played out too it just just listen to you guys talk um it was kind of like a in a way it was like a anthology but it, it really wasn't because it's like each you had um each uh um you know uh person in the bloodline they had their own story and it connected to uh you know it was an adaption of Edgar Allan Poe however <clears throat> I, I mean when I was younger it's been a long time that I've read any uh, poems by or anything from Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, we're talking like middle school, you know, so it's going to be hard for me to remember some of the stuff that um, that I read because uh, it was just so long ago. But um, like I said, it was kind of like, like I said, the way he sets up his, because um, like the, the house on Haunted Hills is pretty much the same thing, but it's very it's just interesting and very, you know, satisfying how um and kind of like a peep show type of uh anthology, but it's all I mean, all connected to, you know, just this the same story. But in terms of um I I mean I like them all. I, I don't know if I have a favorite episode one over the other, but um like I said, it's been a while since I, I watched it. I did watch the last episode uh last night um because that's when i think that's I, I watched the whole thing except for that last episode and um i mean i just like i said i like the themes he deals with um and the whole the whole i mean it's probably not you know um frightful to some people but for me to to get the way the way they except I, I don't know how many spoilers we, we, we can give out but Right ahead. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. So um, the way they they walled, they they put that guy behind a brick wall. I don't know. It's like every time I see films like that, it's like just being trapped. Like the idea of being trapped. That's kind of like my thing. Where you know, some people's heights and some people it's you know, um, fear of spiders. But to me, that is like one of my 
ultimate fears is, you know, being trapped like that. So I was like, when that when that happened, I was like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's like I was kind of picturing like it's kind of being basically buried alive, and um, and I, anytime I see that that in movies, whatever, or if I'm reading a book, whatever, it, it really that's one of my thing things where I find it very frightful. I mean, the guy deserved it, I guess, but not really. I mean, he deserved you know justice whatever he was doing wrong um but to get buried alive um one wished out of my worst enemy so to speak so um yeah yeah right also in that uh the final episode which was probably yeah the culmination of everything was probably one of my favorites um uh you know the culmination of a lot of storylines and sort of uh you know, a lot of um, sort of things are revealed. One, one of my favorite images is, uh, uh, you know, the um, uh, Roderick, uh, Roderick Usher, sort of the patriarch of this family, by uh, played by Bruce, uh, Bruce Greenwood. Uh, he's walking in his um, uh, in his office or uh, boardroom uh, with a window looking out uh, to the skyline. And uh, Carlo Gugino's Verna appears again. And, uh, you know, sh- you know, the you know, just bodies just start raining down and it's like uh these are all your you know these are all the people that uh, you're all your victims from uh you know all the um uh from your from uh from your medicine and uh from everything that um uh and all the just just uh yeah just uh, seeing like the just the the toll that uh you know uh that uh, this this family has has sort of uh you know um inflicted on sort of uh, so many and it's just that that's just a, such a great image of uh just you know just corpses just uh you know raining down uh and uh roderick is uh looking on uh it's such a great uh image and uh yeah it's another one of those uh sort of um uh yeah just culminating moments in the, the that final episode We know you're enjoying another riveting episode of Script to Screen, but just give me 30 seconds to plug the Boston Screenwriters Group. Looking to get feedback on that screenplay being neglected on your laptop? Trying to find another way to network with other filmmakers? Well, look no further than the Boston Screenwriters Group, your networking hub for all your screenwriting needs. Whether you're just starting out or are an industry veteran, everyone can use another pair of eyes to offer suggestions, support, and constructive criticism to improve your writing. If all that sounds exactly like what you've been looking for, feel free to join us on meetup.com and Facebook and take a look at our event schedules, including our virtual forums and in-person workshops. All the best in your writing. Now back to the show. You know, you mentioned that. I don't know why, but what popped in my head was maybe a loose parallel between this and hang, stay with me. Uh, uh, nope, in the sense that with nope, you know, it was all about spectacle and the spectacle is what mattered. And it's everything for, you know, access to the spectacle, everything for not just access to the spectacle, but the clout that came along with it, right? And in this sense, you know, everything for the fame and the money that 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 um, the Usher family, you know, wanted to have, they're going to risk it all, right? So it's it's not about characters, not about who you are, it's not about what you bring to society. It's about how I can kind of milk fame or cash or some kind of clout from society through sacrificing something of myself or or those who come behind me. And you know, it, it is um, again a parallel to the real world that we're in, where um, whether you're talking about politics or social media or whatever is seen as pop culture, you know, um, tribalism is the is is the way that people are going today. Certainly, we can talk about political figures and folks allegiance to, to figures where you know, you know facts or knowledge or truth doesn't matter anymore. Same thing holds true for student some of the students I work with who will you know constantly be clamoring for likes on social media. To the tune of of, of really um, giving up their dignity in some situations, um, nothing matters except for being famous or wealthy or some combination of those two things. And we're affected by this in the society uh, to the point that you know people are willing to forego facts, knowledge, um, and even what's true 
because in a sense, what's true doesn't matter. All that's true is what I can prove in terms of the, the likes that I'm getting or the validation I get from people who say, yep, you're right. So there's this beast that's out there, this, 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 this idea of aiming for spectacle, aiming for clout that now is more real, more tangible than facts and reality is. And we're, I think we've gotten to a point where just like climate change, we're in a, we've, we've passed the event horizon, we've passed the event horizon for people being invested in what's true and what's factual. And now we're just kind of hungry in our own little corners, our own bubbles, our own tribal kind of situations. And I think that's what House of Usher also does in terms of, you know, we're the folks who get their comeuppance are us, the people who are just like them, looking for clout, money, fame, et cetera, and willing to risk everything because it doesn't really matter unless you have those things, money, fame, clout. And I know um, in terms of happy endings, you know, uh, I think sometimes it's overrated. It's, you know, it's overrated. I mean, he has his place, you know, some films should have a happy ending. And at the end um, of the series, there was some hope going on there. Cause I'm thinking, okay, the granddaughter, for example, she does not like the direction that the family went into in terms of, you know, you know, hurting people and so on and so forth. And she, I promised that she would use after every, you know, everybody's basically gone at this point. Um, and the father's about to die soon and so on and so forth. And so she plans to use the money for good this time, the family name to do something good and so on and so forth, right? So I'm like, okay, there's some hope here, right? But then, you know, the rug gets pulled from under me when I <laughs> when I find out that that deal uh, when you mortgage the bloodline, it's like it's, it was the bloodline. That's everybody. So it wasn't just the children. It was going to be the children of the children, and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> and I and I and I guess why I I think that was compelling in the sense that um, opposed to having a happy ending is uh, to me it's like a warning to people that you should do things. There, there are some things you can do you cannot. I mean, people make mistakes, so on and so forth, but sometimes you can make mistakes that are hard, very hard to come back from. You know, so to, to me, this was like a warning to 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 like not not go in that direction in the first place. You get what I'm saying? Like, um, okay, it's one thing. Okay, it's one thing you make a mistake or you do something and you you repent from it. But you know, it's kind of like one of those things where okay, I could I could do whatever I want now, and I could just repent later, or I can make up for it later. But how about we uh, send out a warning? It's like don't do this in the first place. You know what I mean? There's you know because she, she, she the, the granddaughter represents what they should have been doing in the first place, all that mindset they should have had in the first place, as opposed to just because because this whole you know um drug thing it just it, it destroys so many families i guess their families you know <clears throat> the consequences that um could be they're just you know their families destroyed as well but all the destruction for what this kind of like okay there's you know there's power uh kind of like that media gratification it's like okay we have this power now at, at what cost? At all cost, and it and it did cost them everything. So, um, so I think that was powerful. That it it could easily go in the direction that the granddaughter uh, and Harris and does re uh, tries to undo as much as possible all the damage they have done. I mean, you can't really do it, but you could make an attempt to make some kind of amends. Right. Um... <clears throat> The um, uh, and it's also interesting the structure of it because first episode, you know, <clears throat> uh, right front and center, you know that uh, uh, most of this family has already been killed off, um, you know, and uh, you know, and we see subsequently how each of them, you know, sort of meet their de uh, their their demise, uh, but you know right off the bat that uh, you know um, 
uh, this entire family is, you know, uh, this entire family is is is, uh, is in the grave. Uh, most of it's already in the grave, uh, you know, right uh, from the first from frame one. And uh, you know, I guess you could argue that uh, you know there's no tension sort of uh, there, but um, you know, it's it's again, it's a, a sort of um, Flanagan doing his sort of wizardry that uh, you care so that you are so invested in this, even though you know how all these stories are going to play out. You know that. Uh, each of these family members are going to be dead in, uh, you know, uh, you know, increasingly gruesome ways. Um, but uh, it's just uh, it, it just shows that just how much, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone like Flanagan and his team, uh, you know, they can just turn this, uh, they could just spin this yarn, uh, but not in the, you know, the ways that you're expecting, you know. Yeah, but, and, um, you know, even though I guess there's a little bit of uh, we really want this family to, you know, meet, uh, you know, uh, have some consequences. Uh, and that's what kind of what we're uh, been watching and uh, waiting for the entire time. But there's also like um, an investment uh, in um, you know um, uh, you know all these stories and you know about um, uh, you know this 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 extremely uh, influential family that uh, uh, you know that just is uh, that finally uh, you know that 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 is finally meeting some sort of. Uh, um, it, there's there, that there's some consequence to you know uh, all the harm that they've caused, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, again it's a the, again it's uh, it, it it's just a uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, again, it's just a way. Of, you know, it's not just you know. Uh, yeah, there are definitely you know this is this would definitely you know I guess um, be categorized in the uh, you know in the horror category. But uh, you know, there's again this you could put this on at sort of like any time, uh, uh, even if you're not in a horror mood, uh, and really get something out of it. Yeah, because it sounds like it's more about the how and the why, uh, opposed to the what. Because the what is like, you know, they all, you know, uh, all his children are gone. So the emphasis is more about the why. And so the themes, you know, each episode plays out and and it, and it deals with all these themes. So with, with to, to me, it's like well, the, the why was more important than the what. Even in the how, I like it. Like I said, the how was more like. You know, uh, I guess people investing because, like, like I said, if you, you know, yeah, you don't have to, you know, you could. It's just not necessarily. A, I mean, I guess it will be considered horror, so to speak, but you don't have to be a horror fan. Uh, even if you're not the biggest horror fan, you can still watch it because there is a lot of, uh, like I said, mature themes that are in there, and also a lot of drama. So, and and I and I do like horror films with drama, so drama horror type of deal, because uh, you're dealing with life, and um, you're holding a mirror up to life, and it's like, okay, this is what I see, and this is my interpretation of it, and um, so that's that's how I see it. You know, as above, so below. In terms of you know, I'm just thinking about um, this is like the other side of the coin of it's a wonderful life right and it's like if you take it's a wonderful life but what would the world be if i had not you know right. lived now it's like what is the world because i do live and i have made this bargain right this is what i've done and you know the carla cagino character is you know not just the, the bringer of death for the other characters but also the one that that shows um roderick um usher you know this is what you've done and it's of course for, for the purpose of the story it's, it's essential that he's like the last one right you have to look at what you've done it's one thing right. if, if he makes his bargain and because he's the eldest he goes out first no the real pain comes from seeing what you've done and, and, and the actual um you know impact the, the consequences of this this deal you've made um that's the ultimate cruel part where you can't even um appreciate Know, what you have in terms of the riches and the and the, the clout that he has because of the, the dying family members around him so that that is uh again it's a wonderful life in reverse if you will um should have a back-to-back -back show in the middle of movies <laughs> very <laughs> yeah very a very i yeah. was gonna say a very demented version of it's a wonderful life it's a, not a wonderful life <laughs> it's an it's a horrible life <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, and it was very powerful too that um, family is very important to to him. You know, because all his children out of you know from different. I think they all had different uh, 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 mothers. I believe, right? Am I correct? So, because the reason why I point that out, because usually, like, um, you might have, uh, you know, maybe not all your children by the same person, but usually whoever your current is, that's, you know, if you have, like, three children, and then you may have one or two from other, whatever, they get treated differently, so to speak, because I've seen shows like that, too, um, where the ones from previous relationship, but he everyone as, as long as you got you got you got the name usher then you are good you know that sort of thing so it was it was i think that would made it so powerful that uh family means a lot to him and then for him to die last is kind of like torture you know what i mean because i i've seen movies where um if somebody you know uh wants to kill somebody because they did something that you know uh egregious towards them so they kill that person and then um i used to always think i was like what if you don't kill that person you leave that person alive and you kill the people that they love you know it's kind of like um uh, superman you can't really hurt him but you can hurt him by people say kryptonite but it's like the people that he cares about so so that to me that's torturous so that i think that's what made it so much more powerful it's funny you mentioned having um, these children, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that are from different balances or relationships or whatever. And that just led me in, in, a, in a moment to think about this being a metaphor for um, imperialism or settler colonialism. It's <laughs> that, you know, you, you've got this bargain where you can achieve wealth, you can achieve status. Um, and what's left behind you are this kind of offspring, these people you created, uh, either physically through birthing them or through the creation of um, them via um, you delivering a narrative to them about who they are uh, and what they're about and their, their their relationship to the empire. So, for example, especially, you know, Thanksgiving this time of year, um, British and their relationship with the indigenous people here and the folks who came after in terms of the other folk coming from other parts of the world, there's a there's an adherence to the, the American story or mythology, depending on how you think about it, that is tied to believing that the intent of the folk who came from Europe, the quote unquote settlers had pure intentions, right? And people buy into this idea. Those folk are the children of Usher, right? Those folks are the ones who are here and in some cases suffer because of the bargain that the original settlers, um, so-called settlers had, which is we're gonna have a manifest destiny, we're gonna clear out the land from sea to shining sea, and you're gonna buy into this narrative. If you don't buy into the narrative, something's wrong with you, right? So maybe it's a stretch to think about it in this way, but I think of various dalliances of various relationships that Usher has being um, kind of a proxy for, you know, like British in India or British in this part of the world or the British in, in certain uh, African uh, countries like uh, Nigeria or whatever. Whereas you create these offspring and you want them to be loyal to you and to be loyal means to buy into a certain narrative and to be complicit in some regard. So um, I'm kind of rambling, but that, that, that mentioning of, of the different offspring, maybe think about, again, this could be some kind of parallel or, or an analogy tied to uh, imperialism. Well, that's an interesting take. I didn't think of it that way. That's that's very interesting. <clears throat> I guess if we're going sort of, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to uh, read into, uh, you know, more things than maybe the... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, than uh, Mike Flanagan and company intended. Uh, yeah, there is a, you know, going off of that. Yeah, there. I think this shares also a little bit with another sort of um, a movie out uh, at the moment, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, where there's this idea that money, you know, if you're a minority or uh, marginalized voice, uh, that money will sort of uh, shield you or, you know, making more money or being a part of all that uh, will shield you and will be sort of like... Um, uh, will act as you uh, act as uh, it will help you assimilate more. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, throughout history, and uh, you know, that has not been the case. Uh, you know, yes, and you know, with the uh, fall of House of Usher, we have uh, um, Raul Cooley, I'm trying to remember from uh, Midnight Mass, and Saryuan uh, Sapkota, Sapkota as uh, sort of uh, you know, um, 
sort of like the more sort of uh, racialized ushers, uh, more you know the you know they're 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 like not uh, they they're they they also realize that so they're they're also sort of uh, marginalized within the own family in some ways, but uh, you know they think that that the usher family name will protect him, and of course that is uh, that is not the case. Um, so yeah, I mean there's. It, yeah, there's there's quite a bit you can uh, uh, read into, I, I guess, and of course, uh, um, um, <clears throat> Kylie Curran from um, I want to say Deep Sleep, no, Doctor Sleep, uh, comes in and uh, you know is the most sympathetic, uh, you, you know, usher, but still she meets her fate too uh, because uh, you know this is not uh, you know th this isn't a, a sort of um, the, the Faustian bargain made, you know, didn't make any exceptions. Um, so I mean, yeah, there's there's uh, quite a few, there's probably a few parallels there with uh, in terms of um, you know what it means to sort of like um, you know the hypocrisy of so so called making it and then um, uh, uh, you know in America. Yeah, the idea of making it is all about has always been you know profits over people. If you can do right by people and make a profit, cool. But you don't have to. It's like if you can make, if you do right by folks and, and make a profit, great. But in many cases, folks say to hell with people. I'm making a profit. Um, that goes for you know the folks who are at the the other end of the opioid epidemic, or the folks who you know thankfully just got their their, their um uh, their worth in terms of pay from uh, any number of unions, SAG-AFTRA. Or UAW, right? Um, <clears throat> Screen Actors Guild, so whatever. For a long time, these people have been screwed over and not paid what they're worth. Now, there had to be a recalibration of this, and that came, you know, with a lot of pain, on, you know, from the part of the people who were the, the rank and file, who for many, you know, months had to suffer without having paid. And you know, if it weren't for, I think, um, the voices that they used to kind of shift. I think the public's feeling around it, they, it wouldn't have gotten what they do. I mean, it's all about public perception and a court of public opinion. I think a lot of folks are realizing with the attention that was brought to it that the actors themselves were being screwed. And they took the attention off of the A-listers who were, of course, getting tons of money and put it on the, the majority of, of folk and for, for actors or writers who don't get, you know, these, these huge deals or these million dollar contracts for a movie or in the case of a creative or a showrunner, tons of money at the top. You have to wait till the show gets some momentum and some some um, acclaim uh, to get money. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's for a long time been profits over people, and in many ways, it still is. Um, and that's and sadly, I'll put it this way: maybe I, I shouldn't even um, speculate or, or even kind of generalize in this way, but I think for the most part, we've been infected with this idea that that's that's okay, profits over people is okay. And, and there's a certain, I guess, population in the country don't believe that, but I think most do believe if I can get over on you, then cool. That's why the Scarfaces are romanticized, right? That's why, you know, any number of the, the, the mobster movies are, 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 are fantasized because these are people who do wrong by other folk and get over. It's all about profits over people. And I think that is the ethic that has been in place for a long time. And we see it at play in this movie. And for me, it's it's satisfying. I think this is a happy ending, right? I think it's a, I think when karma is in play, I think it's a happy ending. So if you you know do dirt and you you catch it in the end, that's a happy ending for me. Yeah, and, I, and you know one thing too, uh, greed is um, part of it too because there are cases where people can make a lot of money and be really rich, but that's not enough for them. So in order to gain even more profit, to be even more rich, like, for example, let's say, I'm just going to throw a number, arbitrary number out there. Like, let's say you can make $10 million if you just do everything, you know, copacetic and everything. And, you know, what you're doing is not hurting people, it's actually helping people. Opposed to, oh, I could make $100 million if I screw people over. You know, I, I could make... You know what I'm saying? A lot more money than because um, ten million dollars is a lot of money, but hundred million dollars a whole lot more. You just have to uh, sacrifice people. You have to 
you know, you have to do things that hurt people, whether it's opioids or, or, or McDonald's foods. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I see. I guess you could cut that. I don't. You know, no, that's that's cool. I, I'm, I'm about to <laughs> yeah, that's right. second that. I don't want McDonald's coming out. You don't want McDonald's going out. All right, all right. Well, I didn't know McDonald's who we are. Titans, but yeah. McDonald's yeah. are done. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So we could make we could make money selling food that's good for you, but hey, we could if we could make uh, uh, ten times that selling food that that can kill you, cancer causing ingredients, and so on and so forth. So, so, so to me, that's greed because it's like, you know, you're already rich. Well, how rich do you want to get? I mean, are you going to, are you going to destroy lives, uh, whether it's quickly or slowly uh, or, or screw people over just so you can get so rich? Like, I don't know. It's like out of the world rich. You know what I'm saying? So, so greed is, uh. You know, it's uh, evil. Yeah, we're kind of dancing around it, but uh, what we should probably just, yeah, it's you know, this is this is capitalism. Like, uh, you know, I'm not, I know people probably don't want to hear this, and you know, people don't want, but that's the hallmark of this of a system like this is exploitation. Like, that's the entire that's the entire that's how this whole apparatus works. Is that so few have so much influence and so much, you know. Um, control over things, and you know, this isn't me advocating for the other end of that spectrum, not in the least. But this is me critiquing what you know this, <clears throat> you know, the current system that we have. You know, I'm definitely not advocating for the other side of that spectrum, but you know, that's just <clears throat> that's the way thing. That's the way certain things are here, and the way things are in a lot of other uh, sort of uh, governments and systems where you know so few are that the one percent, the you know, even the less than one percent have all this influence and all this control. And they just uh, they just inflict so much pain on you know huge populations. What happened to uh, JC? He just disappeared. Oh no! He, he's still <laughs> oh no! I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. That's what happens, you know. Oh no! They can pull I, the I plug the big, anytime. I know. Yes. I dropped the big C word. I know. Oops! Oops! Oh no! <laughs> but yeah, but yes, it's it's capitalism, and you know saying the, the the quiet part out loud, as they say, is like, yes, McDonald's and others engage in practices that are harmful to people. And the the most insidious part is not that they're doing that, but that so many others turn a blind eye or benefit from it, right? So no one's going to say crap about McDonald's because they're spending hundreds of millions on, on marketing, right? They're going to sacrifice, you know, your network because you can't put McDonald's commercials on it anymore because, oh, well, we're going to lose tons of money if we do that. Let's just be quiet and, and, and allow them you know, to do this. Let's be complicit you know, in this. Um, again, not to just pick on McDonald's, but, the, but there are many others, you know, other industries and other types of businesses that engage in practices that are, uh, are detrimental to, to, to human life and, and the safety of people that will, will never be called into question because of the, the cash they bring to the table, right? So that is capitalism. and um, this, this is probably the, the best way to have a critique of capitalism without making it so explicit that it, that uh, I guess the the um, less than sharp tools can can pick up on it, right? I mean, uh, folk who um, would look down on other forms of economic structure um, did not see, I'm pretty sure, that capitalism was was uh, at fault in this, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the case because most of those folks are pretty obtuse, but um, yes, thank you for that uh, exposing and, and saying the quiet part out loud. It is capitalism that is, I guess, um, the enemy in this movie. This is serious, I should say. Again, I'm not here to advocate for the other side of that spectrum. I'm just here critiquing what is, you know, what we're all, what we all live through uh, in, you know, in this, uh, you know, in our side of the, uh, on our side of the, uh, you know, globe. Well, folks can cancel me because I am advocating for the other side. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, all right. No, fair enough. Yep. Does anybody have anything else they want to add before we do sort of final thoughts? <laughs> I guess we sort of got final thoughts out there. All right, really final thoughts. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> well, that, that is it. Yeah, our <laughs> final of all final our thoughts. Final, we're never coming back again. Yes. Oh no, we're not going to be allowed back on the internet. <laughs> we're not going to be allowed back on the internet after this. 
All right, but no, yeah, okay. I guess we can, uh, yeah, do sort of, uh, yeah, wrap up and then uh, recommendations. Does anyone want to start us off? Well, in terms of recommendations, is you know obvious. You know, um, if you haven't, uh, well, let's listen to this. If you haven't seen the other entries in the Flaming Converse, uh, definitely check out um, House on that Haunting of Haunting of Hill House. I keep messing up the name of that that uh that that series but um i didn't i didn't finish watching midnight club but so far i did you know like what i saw um and my favorite one other other the flying inverse is midnight mass that's ultimately my favorite one out of the whole uh thing but i will definitely if you haven't seen those check it out and just like some of his other films like dr sleep um and uh some of the some of the ones that are less lesser known. So um like I said, the actors the actors always on point. He uses basically the same actors. I mean that's what you know a lot of great directors do. They use the same folks and they just keep churning out uh very uh you know good performances. And I'm gonna throw one classic out there because like I said, this kind of reminded me of an anthology is Creep Show. Um, which is an adaption of uh, uh, Stephen King stories, and so um, yeah, that's those are my recommendations. Yeah, for me, I, it's funny. I, I second that uh, Midnight Mass for me is, is the one that, that sticks out as the best of, of all of his offerings in the Flanagan verse. Uh, I would say this is probably a uh, second. Uh, I like this a lot too. Um, uh, also, there, there are movies that he came out with, like, like he said before, that are more obscure that folks don't know about that maybe are that preceded the, the, the streaming uh, kind of platforms we have now, like Oculus. Wouldn't, wouldn't say it's it's near the top of his game, but it's, it certainly shows some of the, the beginnings of of him, and you can see how he's learned since then, um, since making the, the film uh, Oculus and looking forward to the next project and, and i think we mentioned this before we actually got on and, and recorded this but I'm, i've just heard that the flanagan verse has been canceled off of netflix um their relationship with mike flanagan has they've cut ties with him um i think there's one more project that's in the can not sure if that's going to debut on netflix or it will be sent to a different streamer or another kind of uh, service um but it, it, it frustrates me because I'm like, yes, we got this person who's constantly cranking out quality material every year and they're going to cancel him. <laughs> it's like, why are you going to you know, cut him off? I, I understand that, you know, once you get a name for yourself, you have a relationship with a, uh, an entity that, that pays you, that you might end up commanding a lot more money than they want to pay. But he's certainly well worth it. Uh, I don't know about the numbers in terms of how many folks are watching this, watching that. But uh, from someone who enjoys his content, uh, it's a disappointment to hear that he's no longer a part of Netflix's kind of family. Yeah, some, I don't know. Some, yeah. yeah, somebody's going to pick him up. Yeah. Somebody's going to pick him up. Right. Let's let's hope so. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Yeah, I, I think he'll he'll land on his feet uh, fairly well if that is true. I'm shocked that. Well, I guess you know. Again, um, <clears throat> with all the negotiations, you know, that have been going on between actors and writers, maybe there were some strayed relationships there uh, with Netflix that has caused Flanagan to look for uh, you know other means of getting his word. But I think he just wrapped on another Stephen King adaptation, and you know who knows that might just be a theatrical release. So uh, yeah, he's got another movie in the pipeline. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be in work. Uh, I'm sure he'll have something out by uh, you know next October uh, for us all to watch and enjoy. Uh, but yeah, so as my final word. Uh, yeah, uh, this this was a great uh, miniseries. Uh, you know, I, I think I said six episodes earlier. It was actually eight episodes, which makes uh, which is a good thing because I thought it was shorter than I, I, I than it actually is. Uh, so again, this thing just moves. Um, as you see, all the characters here get the comeuppances. Uh, you know, they're you know uh, they're uh, you know uh, karma. You know, karma strikes in this one instead of uh, you know waiting patiently. Um, uh, yeah, and it is uh, something to uh, you know you know to bask in. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, this the, it was yeah, it's a great watch. Uh, you know, again, uh, not just uh, during uh, you know the horror season, uh, but yeah, this so it's so well made that uh, you can definitely uh, put it up on uh, any time. But in terms of uh, recommendations, you know, I kind of already said uh, uh, you know another sort of um, 
another uh, sort of really succinct critique of uh, you know our society uh, that uh, you know but this time it's more historical killers of the flower moon which is out in theaters it'll be on apple tv plus uh, you know later on uh, you know, it's Scorsese's, uh, you know, latest. So, I mean, if that's hasn't already, you know, uh, you know, whetted your appetite, uh, I can uh, totally vouch for it. Hopefully we'll be able to do a review of it later. Uh, and also, I'll also recommend, uh, you know, since, you know, the Sackler family has been brought up, uh, you know, time and again with this review, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. It's a documentary by uh, Laura Portes, uh, right on Max. And it's a profile of Nan Golden, uh, you know, a filmmaker and activist who, you know, tirelessly worked, uh, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, take down the, the Sackler family, you know, at least in terms of taking down their names and of art galleries around, uh, around the, you know, around the globe. Uh, and it's a stunning profile of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, what little power we do have, uh, you know, we can use it, you know, when, if we organize and, uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, you know, we, and we find community in that. Um, so yeah, very, um, very great documentary on sort of, uh, uh, both a filmmaker and an activist. Um, but yeah. And so, uh, and yeah, I think that's, uh, I think they'll do it for us. I think they'll do it for us on this one. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on the fall of the House of Usher and the many themes, kills, and character arcs. Next time, we're reviewing David Fincher's latest, The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender as a well-traveled, chillingly detached hitman. Feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and on the platforms. You can support this podcast in the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking on the support button at anchor.fm. You can join Kenyatta and I our virtual screenwriters forums by RSVPing on meetup.com and our Facebook. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, links are in the description. All the best in your writing, watching movie and streaming shows, and taking care of one another.